1: hello welcome to telling everybody everything it is june 24th i just rang a local clinic in my area to be like hey totally unlikely i get that have you got any availability for a hydrafacial today love a hydrafacial um i don't really know exactly what it does it kind of sucks out impurities but then they use a bespoke cocktail of nice things to put in your skin and they use this little suction kind of squirt gun it's both sucks and blows and it um <laughs> goes around your face but then at the end you get to look at this tank of disgusting water from your face and i mean of course mine's not too disgusting but it's so interesting i love a hydrofacial. anyway this is not an ad for hydrofacial, but i really wanted to get one And I rang this clinic, and of course it's Friday, they have no availability, but I never can book things in advance because I don't know what kind of mood the children are going to be in, what's going on, what I will have going on, but I had something cancel, and I just flew back from Jersey where we wrapped Rangash, Ramesh Ranganathan's amazing uh, heist action comedy series, Romantic Getaway, so you'll be able to see that on Sky, I think before the end of the year. I hope maybe around autumn sometime and I really needed a facial because on a set like that you wear so much makeup and they just powder you powder your sunscreen all day no they did not have availability but the girl on the phone said oh happy birthday I was like what she said it's your birthday next week I was like blow me down bitch yes it is I didn't even know everyone that I love except for Bobby is uh, born in June Both of the kids had due dates of June 15th. Violet was born three days after. Fred was born three days before, which is weird. Um, And so I just always forget. Yeah, it is my birthday next week. Do I care? No, I am not a birthday person. You might have heard me say to my great friend, Jeff Norcott, check out his book, his podcast, his tour, his face, Annoying People on Question Time, if you haven't seen it already, his social media. He pretended to have a birthday, on my prime video series backstage with katherine ryan if you haven't watched that what the what are you trying to do to me to my spirit you pretty much have two more weeks to watch it before they're really going to count the numbers of who watched it so i would really appreciate it even if you're busy just leave it streaming in the front room and go about your business i don't need you to actually engage with it i understand you're i'm busy too you can watch it another time but just stream it somehow on every device in your house I understand that electric bills are through the roof and that's not going to be possible for everyone, but I appreciate whatever effort you can bring to the table. Jeff really wanted to get on stage, but he can't get on stage because he was not booked as a headlining comedian. He was booked as the show writer to punch up jokes, to listen to people's bits, what have you. And he pretended it was his birthday to try to garner some sympathy and get a spot on stage. He was a standby. I think he also tried to injure a few people and cause some chaos to get himself on stage. Ultimately, you'll have to see how that turned out. Uh, he, He came close. We'll put it that way. But I did not give a single shit that it was his birthday. He's like, it's my birthday. Well done being born. Anyone else be born? Oh, all of us? Now, I have had children of my own. I've had losses of my own. I understand that it is actually a miracle that we're here. The chances of you being born are infinitesimally small. And the chance of you even making it in the womb are actually small. They say that something like, now they they shouldn't use the word pregnancy. So it's like, at conception, depending on what part of Texas you're from, you have different definitions of this. But Let's say you ovulate and you have sex. The sperm could meet the egg. You have sex with your like an ovulating woman and you have sex with a man who has sperm, right? That's not everyone. If the sperm meets the egg, sometimes uh, something's up with the sperm, so it can't actually connect with the egg. Sometimes the egg won't be mature enough, so they can't have the communication that they need to have to actually fertilize. And then that's lost. That's a month that you ovulated, your egg had close contact with sperm, but for whatever reason, you didn't get pregnant. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you might be like, why? Why didn't that work? I had sex on the right day. Not all eggs are mature enough or in the right condition to be fertilized. Not all sperm that make it to the egg are the right condition uh, genetically to actually make uh, an embryo or blastocyst, whatever you want to call it. So then if it does fertilize, it has to travel this like treacherous six-day journey down your fallopian tube through your uterine wall and find a suitable place to implant. That's apparently not something that all blastocysts or embryos, whatever they're called, can do. Zygotes, I think they're called. Zygotes? Please don't email me and tell me the terminology because it's more fun for everyone if I just sort of guess. This is my general knowledge. And that's a treacherous journey. They have to make it. There are all kinds of reasons they don't make it. There might be a blockage or they might just get like swept up in the current of what the fuck's going on in there. And that might be a reason you didn't get pregnant that month, that there was the meeting of perfect sperm, perfect egg. that just didn't make it down the journey. That takes about five, six days. If it makes it, if it finds the perfect place to implant, then it has to have perfect communication with your endometrial lining. This is why a lot of doctors, though not all doctors, will prescribe people who are struggling blood thinners. Maybe you don't have thick blood, you don't have an antiphospholipid syndrome, whatever, but there's something about blood thinners that some practitioners believe and some studies show uh, affects, you know, modulates endometrial lining, makes the endometrial lining more receptive to an embryo implanting. You know, by having smaller vessels that are reaching out more or something, I'm not sure. So a lot of doctors don't think that and they'll never give you blood thinners. They're like, that's rat poison. You don't need blood thinners. Some fertility specialists think you might, it might help. So fine. So let's say the egg then implants, it has to have a perfect blood supply with your body to grow enough and exchange all these hormones enough for you to get a positive pregnancy test. So that's what they say when they say um, most miscarriages happen like so early before you even get a pregnancy test. They mean like that window of time. And then you have quite a dangerous zone of two weeks where those are miscarriages that people know about if they've taken an early pregnancy test. And, you know, that's a loss. And then there are times that develops even more and you'll have a miscarriage usually before 12 weeks. And it is all very sad. But again, when all that was happening to me and I was super sad the first time, bit less sad the second time, you know, you get tougher. Someone said everything happens for a reason. It's like, well, not everything happens for a reason, but who was it recently I saw on an Instagram post said, you can find the reason in it. Oh, it was a midwife actually. It was another midwife. I follow and listen to so many midwives. She's, she has cancer at the minute and she's been struggling with it for six years. And she said, no, not everything happens for a reason, but you can find a reason in a struggle and use it to make yourself stronger. So fine. Um, and so maybe, you know, the midwife said your time on earth and your energy is very precious and your body is very shrewd. Nature is very shrewd. And if something isn't right with your placenta or the cord or the baby or whatever's developing your body would take so much effort to grow that pregnancy to term have that baby who might be very 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 unwell life-threateningly unwell and your body just goes nope i i'm sorry i don't have time for this i can't do it this is not viable done and that sounds like so cruel nature is really cruel though and if you think about all of those things Then maybe I need to ease up on birthdays because maybe it is an absolute miracle that each of us was born. And I should apologize to Jeff, but I won't because Jeff needs to remember his place. He's a bit too big for his boots these days. People are saying that he's the heart and soul of Backstage with Catherine Ryan. People are saying that he's their favorite part of Backstage with Catherine Ryan. People are begging for him to get on stage in the second series if we are afforded one which would be such a blessing it's one of these jobs that I just loved working on even though I had a newborn even though I was a bit fat it's alright to be a bit fat I just wasn't myself I was so tired and I apparently had COVID the whole time didn't realize was tested within an inch of my life but that's why I didn't feel well That why you know that's I think again why I want another chance I'm like I could do it this time will I have a newborn if we film it again maybe Ramesh's project Romantic Getaway was so much fun as well though acting for me is a very different beast when I do tours when I do studio shows when I do something like Your Face or Mine when I'm a guest on League of Their Own for example Celebrity Juice the Mo Gilligan show that's all fun oh I'm appearing on the Mo Gilligan show next Friday so please tune in for that I'm sure you watch it already he's a wonderful man I would love him on second series of Backstage with Catherine if we get one All that stuff, you have a lot of personal control. You have a lot of control over what you say. You show up at a certain time. It's something I'm very familiar with. Doing those shows is being yourself with jokes maybe that you've prepared or you know what you're going to talk about, but you get to be yourself. And I think a lot of people become actors because they like the idea of becoming someone else. They go, I want to know what it's like to be someone else for a while. And they really go method. They lose themselves in the character. And they – like I heard of this one actor who made – Oh, it's the guy from Succession, Kendall. So this might be true or false. It's only a rumor. I don't mean to libel anyone. This could be complete bullshit, allegedly. And he's a great actor. I mean, he, I hadn't seen him in anything before Succession. If, if you don't watch it, it's about this really dysfunctional, very rich family and all these archetypes of, you know, power and a family and all that kind of hierarchy stuff. It's ancient. Kendall is so funny in it and he's so sincere about everything. He's just my favorite character. Apparently that actor asked the prop departments to make him things that were not included in the show, like props and things that he thought the character would have just because off stage, off camera, he wanted to like hold them and touch them or decorate his dressing room with them and feel like that character all day. Okay, I mean mission accomplished the performance is amazing. But this is why I don't trust actors. I don't like to be around them. I think they're very creepy. I uh, This is not about them. It's all about me. I thrive in honesty, authenticity, transparency. And when someone's pretending to be someone else, it spooks me out. It's like a phobia. I have a girlfriend who's afraid of Costumes that look like things that they're not. So let's say someone's in a funny gorilla suit for a birthday. She can't look at that. It's a uncanny or something. She's like, it creeps her out that that's not a gorilla, but it's someone in a gorilla suit pretending to be a gorilla. She hates that. Equally, I get creeped out when someone is putting on a fake veneer and saying fake words, and they're really good at pretending to be something that they're not. I don't like that at all. I have dated that not interested. Um, But comedy people, I think, are easier for me because even if you're a comedy actor, the comedy bit for me, I don't know, I like connect with it. It feels a little bit more honest to me. But also in an acting job, you have to get up at the crack of dawn. And I don't usually, you know, toilet humor, guys, it's not my thing. But a lot of people have a window where they can go to the bathroom And if that window is missed, that window is gone. And I have heard from so many actors that when you get picked up for a job at 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m. every day, and then you have to go straight to set, sit in a makeup trailer, you have a trailer, but like no one civilized wants to go to the bathroom in a trailer. It's just better to go at home. I know people who've nearly died of constipation on a long job. You do a film, 5 a.m. pickups for four months. You don't go to the bathroom that whole time. Your whole schedule's off. You have like a blockage. They need to be hospitalized. I have not heard of anyone being hospitalized. But I mean, look, it's not hours that I enjoy. Get picked up early. Some days I didn't see the kids awake. Get told what to do all day, what to say all day, where to stand all day. Am I allowed to pee? Not yet. Oh, we'll let you pee in a minute, but someone's going to escort you there. And I understand why all that is. There are lots of people who make a big effort to work on a show, But you really feel quite powerless and babysat, especially if you come from a stand-up background. We're so spoiled. We're on our own so much. We make so many decisions. And sometimes we make the wrong decisions. And then everyone gets mad at us. But I would rather do something wrong and have it all come down on me than be part of such a massive team that I'm not even allowed to go to the bathroom alone. And if I make a mistake on that or my performance is bad, everyone gets let down. It's stressful, but what made it not stressful, there's an incredible director. I really liked him a lot. At first, I wasn't sure because he is from Australia, and I thought, hmm, I don't know about those people. Don't really know. They live in an upside-down world, but I really liked him. He was really funny, and he brought lollies in, really talented guy as well. Loved the cast. So many cast members I got to meet who were brand new to me, comedy actors that I could tell were real people as well. And I worked with Ramesh, my very good friend, every day. And we've been doing comedy together for like over a decade. But then we both got quite lucky. Now we get to do our own tours, but that also means we don't see each other. So I got to see my good friend like day in and day out and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. Laugh and laugh and laugh. laugh, Nearly pissed myself laughing. Um, And now I can't see him again for a really long time. So if you like Ramesh as much as I do... You can listen to his radio show. You can go see him on tour. You can please watch Romantic Getaway when it comes out. The final week, as I mentioned, was filmed in Jersey. If you're listening from America, you will not know what Jersey is. I'm not talking about New Jersey. Spoiler alert, every place in America is named after somewhere here, pretty much. Every place in Canada is named after somewhere here, pretty much. London, we got one. Peterborough, Scarborough, we got one. Hamilton, we've got one. And uh, Halifax, we've got one. Jersey is an island, and I couldn't really, I could look this up, but I've chosen not to. I think it was occupied by Nazis for a while. It's kind of between England and France. You can take a ferry there, which we did, which was nuts. It was like four hours where everyone was being seasick. Though I didn't find it a problem at all. I thought the ferry was really enjoyable. They had a nice cafe, alcohol. I mean, it's only a one-hour flight from London, But the flight back was so much harder than the ferry there. Sure, the ferry's four hours. Sure, you have to drive all the way to a port, uh, i.e. pool or Portsmouth. And that's far away if you live anywhere in the north or if even you live in London like me. But once you get on there, you're on there. And there are queues to get off and you have to do security just like at an airport. But I mean, if you've got a ton of kids, I saw some class trips and I thought, yeah, this is brilliant. They don't want to sit in a plane, sit in the boarding lounge, do all that stuff. On a ferry, they could basically run around. There was lots of space for them, little shops. They could have their lunch from the delicious hot cafe. I had a chicken salad from there. It was honestly phenomenal, better than a lot of catering that I've had. And I wasn't seasick, though I guess if you are a seasick person, no. It's a, it's a deal breaker for you. But if you have a family and you're going on a trip, a ferry is great. You can bring your own car. You don't have to hire one when you land. It's awesome. On the way back We had an easy jet flight booked on the Friday morning. That's the today, this morning. Now, I've been looking in the news about cancellations. Right now, there is a railway strike. A lot of people are frustrated with that because it impacts you. It impacts your day-to-day. And you've been told by politicians and whomever, capitalists, oh, these strikers, they're preventing children from getting to the hospital. Absolutely not true. I don't know many children in emergency who are going to take the fucking Jubilee line to the hospital. Um, Yes, there are traffic disruptions, but guess what? This is what unions have done for generations and generations. You have to actually stand firm and cause a disruption to get what you want. And the people who make London run smoothly, the people who make it possible for the doctors and the nurses and all the workers and kids to get to school, you know, they should be valued. It's mad, I think, in our society. And I say this as someone who gets, you know, handsomely remunerated for my work. The gap is mad that these people who do jobs that are very, very important are getting less and less and less. So I support them striking. And yeah, I don't have to take the tube every day. Like maybe you do to work like I used to to go to work. I used to have to walk, then take a bus, then take the tube and sometimes take a night bus home. Trust me, I understand the disruption is really annoying, but you got to remember that these people deserve to have a nice livelihood, livelihood, livelihood. And this is the only reason they're striking because their pensions are being changed and they're just not getting the bonuses and the raises that they deserve. And it's mad. And planes now don't work either. The airlines have fired all of their staff. I don't understand how every inch of travel is disrupted. Eurostar's not running normally. I've seen on social media about loads of flights being canceled, loads of all-inclusive holidays. People get to the airport, and I saw this viral video where the police were reading a statement from the travel company that was like, we're really sorry. Your whole trip is canceled. No one's here from the agency to explain that to you, so we're going to communicate through the police. You will all get a 15-pound voucher. I mean, it was... Horrible to imagine going all that way with your kids, packing, getting ready, and then no, you can't go. Well, EasyJet canceled our flight back from Jersey, and I have Fred there, and I have Bobby there, and today's sports day for Violet, and we really needed to get back. And when you're on an island, there are not many options. There was the ferry, but we really needed to get home quickly, and I didn't really know how the baby would deal on the ferry. I had to take the ferry over because we were filming on the ferry, that's why I took it. But ideally, I wanted to get my flight back, so I thought, well, all right, if we wrap. On time Thursday, which you know, we wrap around dinner time, and they're they're never late. Very professional crew. Then instead of going to the wrap party with everyone, just collect the boys, try to get on a flight home Thursday. So great production booked us on an easy jet flight home Thursday evening from Jersey. We get to the airport, and I didn't realize that the Jersey airport is basically like a tiny public washroom. It's not Heathrow. And I should have known this. Jersey is a very small island. Why would they have a massive airport? I mean, it's got everything you need. It's got one cafe with lovely hot and cold food, nice soft drinks. It's got a bar with some very comfortable seating. It's got a gift shop from the zoo, which we enjoyed. And we brought a truck for Fred from there. And it's got sort of two little seating areas and a duty-free. The duty-free had this ginger orange peel flavored Toblerone which I desperately wanted but didn't buy, but I'm still thinking about. So, you know, no disrespect to the airport, very smooth security experience. But we got there. You know, Bobby, I swear to God, the minute he became a dad, started like as the day Fred was born, there's something that clicked in Bobby where he's like, I got to get to the airport. You know, he just wants to get there days early now. I don't know why. I don't know what it is about dads, but uh, he wanted to get there. We arrived around six and the flight was at 8.50. So we have pretty much blasted through security in three minutes. Now we're looking at two hours before boarding. And then they announced that the flight was delayed. And we just thought, oh, my God, Violet was very portable. When she was a baby, she would sleep anywhere, but Fred won't. So I thought, oh, I hope he sleeps in the buggy. I knew he wouldn't sleep on the airplane because airplanes are too exciting for him. So I was able to push him around, get him to sleep. Fine. Bobby and I found a cozy spot in the bar. Fine. But the people around us, just started drinking and drinking and drinking. And fair enough. This is British culture. Jersey is a British island. People like to drink, especially on a Thursday night, especially at an airport. But things started to get Larry. And there was this one guy in particular, he was from somewhere. I don't know. I don't know all the languages. I would to guess Russia. I couldn't tell, but he was speaking some language like that to his seemingly girlfriend and just kind of getting in her face a lot and like berating her. And uh, I couldn't tell if he was passionately talking about something because I couldn't understand the language, but it sort of seemed aggressive. And then he was making eyes at guys across the bar, kind of trying to fight them and then fight other people. Uh, It just seemed all very aggressive. And I thought, oh, great. I mean, no disrespect to EasyJet, but they have a reputation for being a bit of a drunken casino in the sky. I just thought oh no and I've just been doing this job for seven weeks. I just wanted to get home to Violet. I was very tired and I did not want to witness a sky flight fight. So we get finally to boarding and now a lot of people are drunk in this lounge but not so drunk that they should be ejected off planes, apart from this one aforementioned potentially Russian guy. I was worried about it. I thought, what is going to happen? It's only an hour flight, but a lot can happen in an hour in a small aluminum tube in the sky. So then the Scottish man ahead of us was told that his bag was too big to bring as a carry-on. She's like, no, you have to put this under the plane. He now starts kicking off at the lady who works there. And I've come to understand with age that sometimes people get annoyed Because they're anxious, because they're stressed. Some people have fear of flying. Some people have other issues that make them behave in a way that you might not recognize as fearful or anxious. But this guy was just like, I fly all over the world with this bag. How dare you tell me that I have to put it under the plane? I was like, Welcome to EasyJet, bitch. Like, this is how it works. You're lucky we don't all have to sit under the plane. We're lucky this flight is leaving. And the woman who dealt with it was very professional, very responsible. You know, even when things are going to shit and services aren't working like you want them to, you always find heroic members of customer service teams. And you go, this person doesn't get paid enough for the bullshit they're dealing with and they deserve it because they are keeping this thing running. So this woman was being berated for a while. She handled it really well. And then she directed Bobby and me with the pram down this ramp. And everyone else is boarding the plane, and I got to talking to her. I was like, oh, sorry, it looks like you're having kind of a troublesome evening. She's like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, people just like to drink in the lounge, I guess, and then they get a little bit brave. I said, yeah, especially with the delay, there's nothing else to do. They're kind of forced to drink in the lounge. She's like, yeah, 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 happens all the time. It's fine. And then I said, I looked up at the uh, stairs that people were taking to the plane, which had kind of a a, a queue with like winding stairs, so you could see sort of three rows of people going up this plane, like a – little accordion. And I looked up and I said, oh yeah, a few people are drunk. Like that guy, that maybe Russian guy, he's really drunk. As I said that, a bloke walks up to us and he said, you got to get him off the plane. I work in the airport. He's going to be a problem. He's so drunk. You got to get him off. As this man comes to say this, there are women up on the stairs, starting to get in the plane, waving this lady down, going, pointing at the guy who's now again yelling at his girlfriend. So all these people snitched on him all at once. I wasn't trying to cause a problem, but I just happened to say it at the same time that loads of other people approached this lady to be like, he's got to get off the plane. The woman acted so quickly, she just kind of snapped her fingers, directed one of the strong like baggage guys to come help her with it. And she went up the little gangway thing and she said, oh, will you come talk to me? And the guy very happily disembarked, the stairs with his girlfriend and followed on. There was no argument about it. And I thought, well, that's a miracle. So everyone else boarded the plane. We boarded last because Fred was asleep and I wanted to keep him in his pram for as long as possible. And as we're at the tippy top of the stairs getting into the plane, I look, the guy and his girlfriend are coming back out of the terminal and they're being allowed to board the plane again. I was like, what? kind of voodoo was he able to swing over on this lady in there? Apparently, he just switched on a dime, started behaving himself, apologized. The girlfriend was like, oh, I can keep him under control. And they didn't get kicked off the flat after all. I thought, what is the criteria for getting kicked off a plane? This guy was picking fights wasted an hour ago during the delay. He's absolutely wasted now and you're letting him on this flight. So many people have told you, even a guy who works in the airport has flagged with you that he is a dangerous passenger to allow on the flight. Something's going to kick off in the air. But he behaved himself, as far as I know, the entire time. So now I'm thinking, well, I don't know. Maybe he was just nervous. Maybe he just wanted to be loud, get some attention. But when he was scolded by this woman, he was able to turn it around and behave for the hour. And that meant that he and his girlfriend didn't have to spend another night in Jersey when I know they had no hotels. It's high season. It was amazing to see. I worried about it, but it was great. When we landed, we had to go wait for the bags, of course, for a million years huge queues of people waiting for taxis i guess they don't have uber because there's a tube strike they couldn't get trains out of gatwick it was really sad to see but again there are reasons for these demonstrations and this wildly drunk woman wildly drunk comes up to me and fred fred's now awake of course he was awake the whole flight and she's like oh yeah were you in jersey i said yes she goes i heard about you being in jersey heard all over the island that you're there with Ramesh filming. I was like, yes, yes, I was. She goes, well, I'm just off on holiday. She said, I turned 50 on June 10th. I was like, happy birthday. Anyone else be born? No, I was happy for her. That was her birthday, and she was having a holiday, but she was so wasted. I thought, is everyone on this plane like a functioning alcoholic apart from me she starts stroking Fred's face and she was cute because you could tell she had her nails done for holiday they looked really good she was touching his face though and I mean no one touches my face I don't touch anyone else's face I wouldn't even touch my child's face unless it was gently with the back of my hand or with freshly washed hands to like get something off their face our family is so not about face touching and it's not pandemic related it's just a sign of respect you do not put your hands on someone's face this woman's stroking my baby's face and fred now he's only a year old he gives the shittiest looks if he doesn't like what's going on he doesn't scream or you know shout but the look he was giving this woman this like shit eating look of like the fuck are you touching my face and then she starts kissing him on the face and i was sort of like I only kissed him probably twice and sort of in a very European way. It's not like she was kissing his lips or anything, but you panic in that situation. I thought, I mean, normally, in theory, I think I would snatch my child away from a situation like that. But also then you think about how they used to say, oh, it takes a village and children interact with lots of people. And there are older people who love kids and they want to pat them on the head and give them a kiss. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's appropriate there. I've also heard of young babies getting the herpes virus from randoms kissing them. And that a lot of people have a don't touch my fucking baby rule. They'll put like a sign on the pram. That's like, don't stick your head in this pram or touch my baby. (laughs) I have seen that in real life. But I thought, oh my God, this lady is just having fun. She's being nice. I'm going to allow this to happen. And the Fred's face. I mean, he wasn't traumatized by it, but he was just like, who the hell are you? So that's our last bit of travel for a while. EasyJet, in the end, got us home. There were some heroic members of customer service. Do I like traveling anywhere? No, I don't. But I'm going to Canada. I'm super excited about it. Um, I get to stay home for almost a solid month. And then we are off to Ontario, We're doing the Montreal Just for Laughs Festival in Quebec. That is my brand new show, Mrs. July 29th and 30th. Then we're gonna spend a little bit of time in Sarnia to see the fam. And I'm doing a show in Ottawa on August 4th at the Algonquin Theater. Then I'm doing a show in Toronto at the Danforth Music Hall on August 6th. So if you live in and around Ontario, Southwestern Ontario, if you live in like Buffalo, New York, or like somewhere around Michigan and you feel like traveling to Canada for any of these shows, I would be very happy to see you there. Uh tickets are available on Ticketmaster or probably Live Nation who are my touring company. And of course just for laughs is very important. Such an amazing comedy festival. JFL Montreal. You can find tickets to my show, but also Amy Schumer show, Fortune Fimster, so lots of comedians will be there show. So you will expect some regularity from me while I'm home. This month is going to be chill. I'm doing a few more fun things, but overall, I'm so excited to spend time with the family. I'm sorry, like, this has been a low-key podcast. You can hear in my voice that I am broken. I might tell you something super special next week. Maybe I won't. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just never mention it again like last time but we'll see. I'm still deciding. Uh, Things are going on though. Things are going on in the Ryan Cootster household. We're having a nice time. We're looking forward to a good summer and I hope that you are too. When we come back, I will answer your burning questions and hopefully get an update from this young woman who's being assaulted by boys at her school. Thank you for everyone who reached out last time. I'm going to see now. The suspense is real. Did she get back in touch with me? I hope so. Alright, interesting news. I do have a reply from the young woman who was being harassed at her school. This is two episodes ago. There's video evidence of young men harassing these women. I mean, look, I will. I'll go back in the email and tell you exactly what was happening. So first of all, she said there's a ratio of 18 to 90 boys to girls. And I said, you can simplify that three to 15. And that's one of the most embarrassing things that I've ever said on this podcast, because you can also simplify the ratio three to 15. It's one to five. There's one girl for every five boys. And I'm sorry to Rachel Riley, any other maths whizzes that might have been listening caught my mistake, I was trying to be like, Oh, let's solve this together, babe. And I messed it up. This is why I'm not a teacher. This is one of many reasons why I'm not a teacher. So some boys were inappropriately touching the girls as well as following them home. The incidents became more frequent and some of the girls complained to the school. Then they received news that the official complaint was being looked into. They were asked to help review CCTV and many articles of proof were found. However, after a week, despite finding evidence, the safeguarding team dropped it without any punishment for the boys. So this is the original email that she wrote, and the girls since were really internalizing this. They went on a a girls-only trip, and the girls didn't want to wear bikinis because they said, you know, the way we behave invites negative sexual attention. You know, the girls were definitely reacting to it in a way where they're blaming themselves, and it's so important to remind young people, because I think we take for granted, we we. Assume that they already know because they're so progressive and woke in so many other areas where maybe we didn't grow up as much so, um, we still need to remind them that nothing that you do or don't do invites uh, mistreatment or sexual assault, that you should be free to go where you want, dress how you want, enjoy yourself the same way that boys can and never blame yourself for someone else's Ill behavior. So I asked her to write me back and tell me what school because I was going to investigate. Then lots of you wrote me ways of helping with this safeguarding and places to report it to make sure that the school does a proper investigation, just to, you know, put some pressure on them to make sure that this is really being looked into. So she's written me back. After a week of silence, she wrote, Catherine, since your podcast came out, the school has reopened the investigation. A report has gone through to the police causing a few of the boys to be suspended. But due to this being ongoing and involving the police, I had to sign something saying I would not speak about the incident to anyone until the incidents are solved. At first, this jumped out to me like, oh, uh, oh, I'm glad that these perpetrators are being protected by the justice system. You can't speak about it but the justice system hasn't necessarily protected you. But then I remembered that there is a process for these legal things. And it is true that when there is a police investigation ongoing, speaking about it outside of this investigation with any specificity could be detrimental to the actual investigation. You know, they have to keep things neutral until after everything is closed. So luckily on this podcast, we have not mentioned this girl's name or where she lives or where she goes to school and she has not done anything wrong and has not breached this uh this thing so we won't talk about it again i'm glad that the advice um was given though all of you who wrote me in talking to me about safeguarding and what to do if you missed that it's on last week's episode because this won't be an isolated incident that's why it's so important to um you know share your experiences and this young woman hopefully her situation at her school is being helped but um, I hope that you know I'm not going to say your name that just by raising it with me so many people are listening they might have the same thing going on at their school and then they listen to the advice about oh I can go to someone else about this the adults are supposed to protect me and they have failed and other adults are stepping forward and saying that's wrong here's what to do I'm sorry that you had to deal with this at all because you're a child still. Even though you don't feel like when you feel like a young woman, I get that. Adults need to be taking care of you. And I'm glad that this is being reopened. We'll see what comes of it. Um, good for you. Great. Oh, This one will be so close to all of our hearts. Catherine, why do the Kardashians stay with cheaters? After many years of judging from afar, I finally took your advice and watched the Kardashian show, starting with the new season. My God. You were spot on about the incredible interiors. And also, do they really think people believe their bodies are just from working out? Then I went back to some earlier seasons to see what I had missed. I have questions. I noticed a lot of narrative by many in the show, including from Chloe herself, about how she's worked so hard to give Tristan the opportunity to change after cheating and to keep her family together. Same vibe with Courtney and Scott in earlier seasons. My question for you is... Who cheats on a Kardashian? And why do these vibrant, successful women stay and give second, third, fourth chances to men who cheat on them? I understand wanting kids to stay close to their dad, but surely a relationship with low trust and respect is a worse example than separating. Resources, money are not the issue either. I realize this is not your usual type of podcast question, but I'm perplexed. Yes, I have been perplexed by this as well. And I think that like every drama, I don't know what to call it. It's honestly like a medieval, like Greek tragedy that heroes have one very tragic character flaw in Greek mythology, don't they? They'll be like uh, that guy who was obsessed with his own reflection, he, a narcissist, is, is. he like drowned because he was looking into a pond and he just couldn't these are bad examples. I've been out of school a long time and I'm very tired, but Greek heroes have one tragic character flaw. And I think that what adds to what I find so compelling about the Kardashians and people don't always agree or don't always understand why I like them is they have this core vulnerability. And and it feels like the way that they handle men in that family is something that, in a way we can all relate to in normal life, but also we feel like we've learned from most of us. We feel like we wouldn't tolerate. So we look at these billionaire, beautiful, surgically perfect, aesthetically manicured within an inch of their lives, like everything visually is perfect, but they keep doing this one bad thing that, that we know is damaging. Courtney loved Scott. And that's what's so sad. She loved Scott for a decade, and he continually disrespected her, cheated on her. Would You know, he was struggling with substance abuse problems. And even now, like, bringing all his teenage girlfriends around his kids. I think that's massively problematic, too. But these women, almost like martyrs, band together, especially in this new series, and they very clearly say, well, the children will know we did nothing wrong. No, girls, the children will know you did nothing, period. You did nothing at all. You are strong and you're powerful. You have all this success and money and you're obviously smart, but you let these men that you love disrespect you, publicly humiliate you, walk all over you, like you say, a hundred times. This Tristan shit. I mean, I talk to Bobby about it all the time. He's the man in my house that I study at close range. And I said, why is Chloe allowing this like absolute scrub from Brampton, Ontario to impregnate random women to get papped with these Instagram models who just want to meet him in his hotel room? Like, what is that about? And there's a podcast where I talked to my friend Dame Baptiste about this. And I didn't realize at the time, but a few people wrote me in like, yeah, he does kind of heap a bit of it on the women. He goes, there are women who who are out in the world and, and Tristan becomes a target because he's this symbol of masculinity and he's an athlete and these women for them it's attractive to like take down a Kardashian's man because they feel like that's their claim to fame. Like, oh I banged Chloe's man. And I think I think we gotta stop blaming the women. Yes, everyone's culpable, but like I think that these men who do it they're a specific type of man, and for some reason, Chloe and Courtney were attracted to these specific type of ultimately unlovable men, men who could never love them back the way they deserved, and they martyred themselves to be like, but I am strong for my children. I am a good person. I don't understand why you would do that. I've done it, you know, briefly, and you the more hurt that you get, I think, you want to prove to everyone, oh, no, no. I can fix this. It makes it okay. It's like an extra challenge for you. It's very stimulating in a bad way, but it's like, oh, the more bad he does, well, the family says I'm wrong and the whole media says I'm wrong and the whole world thinks I've been stupid and I don't want to go out stupid. I want to change it all so that I can be vindicated and they'll actually see that I'm smart and that I did the right thing. You know, there's this belief in good, good guys always win. Like, well, I did the right thing and I was a good wife and I was a good girlfriend. I forgave and I forgave and so I'm going to come out on top. It doesn't always work like that with cheaters. It's like a casino. I've always said you're sat in a slot machine putting quarters in, pulling the handle, and sometimes you get a few quarters back so you feel like the jackpot's just around the corner. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. No. The house always wins. And you don't want to get up from the slot machine because you're like, oh, the next woman that sits down, she'll get the perfect husband. No, she won't. Look at Scott. Look at what Scott put Courtney through. Is he the perfect husband now for the love of his life that he met after Courtney? No, he's more pathetic than ever. And Courtney has the man of her dreams. And it should teach you, you need to leave these men. Enough is enough. Bobby says that Chloe is still stuck in the self-esteem issues that she had before some of these transformations, we'll call them, when she was the fat sister, quote unquote, the ugly sister, when there were lots of drag shows where drag queens would always be Chloe. And, you know, there were, there were things that were quite hurtful when she was at a young, impressionable age. And I think no matter what she does to her face and body, no matter how beautiful and successful she is, she, she feels like that girl. And so she seeks out men who are going to, treat her like I don't know give her the self-esteem that she thinks she deserves which is a bad self-esteem I don't know it makes me sad it makes me sad watch the Kardashians if you haven't already I think it's a beautiful opera (laughs) and hopefully you learn from you know my life is my message watch what they do and don't let it happen to you ah Catherine move to Canada or stay for him I've been offered a study year abroad in Canada, but I have a dilemma. I've been seeing a guy at university for a while now, and he makes me really happy, and it's the first guy who's ever treated me well. He's well brought up and just does little gestures that mean a lot to me. I know going on a year abroad is a massive opportunity for me, but it's far from the UK, including my friends and family. I'm settled right now, and I think this guy and I are heading in the direction of a relationship. He'll still be there when I get back, but I'm worried if I go, he might find someone else while I'm gone. I just feel like if the timing was different, it wouldn't have to be like this. Should I stay or should I go? Oh, you have to go because you're only young and you're in university and you're not in a relationship with this guy. You're nearing a relationship. You said you think these things are heading in the direction of a relationship. He'll still be there when you get back, but you're worried he's going to find someone else. Well, the right person for you is not going to find someone else. And if the right person for you finds someone else, it will only be for a little while and then they will find you again. I have a very similar experience where this really nice guy, he wasn't that nice. Bobby was kind of an asshole when he was a teenager, but I really loved him. We both found many someone else's. We were apart for 20 years. He was in Canada. I was in the UK. And we still found a way to be together in the end because that's what it was meant to be. And you might think, oh, I don't want to wait till I'm 35 to meet the right person. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. You're only young. You've been offered a year in Canada that you said is a massive opportunity for you. And who knows what kind of, you know, growth that you will do and what kind of fantastic life you'll have. If you don't go, you're always going to have exactly the life that you have now, which might be fine. But you don't know unless you try. And you can always come back. You can't redo the year abroad in university, but you can always come back. And if the things that were at home are are right for you, they will still be available to you. The other thing that worries me, is you said, he's the first guy who's ever treated me well. Well, that doesn't mean that he is your soulmate. It just means you've been treated badly. He's the first guy who treats you well. Well, you said it, not me. He's the first. There will be many guys who treat you well, and you should experience all of them, get to know them all, grow as big as you can get in experience and education and travel and love and friendship, and then pick from all the many men in your life who will treat you well, the one that you like the best. None of that stuff should be rushed. So go to Canada, have an awesome time, watch, you know, The Notebook, or some movies about how, you know, true love always finds a way. There's a really good movie with Natalie Portman where she names her baby Americus Nation. I feel like young people, they don't get, uh, Americus Nation. <laughs> cool name for a baby, right? Natalie Portman. Um, you guys miss out on so many films that I loved. Oh, it's called Where the Heart Is. It's from 2000. can't wait to rewatch all these movies with my daughter. Watch movies where... The hero goes on an adventure or makes a sacrifice or does something for personal growth. And the man they wanted is always waiting. Or the man they thought they wanted wasn't the man they wanted all along. Ooh. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to my neighbor who chooses to blow his leaves and mow his lawn every single time I start to do the podcast. I don't really know... If he's got cameras in the house or if he just has some telepathic connection to me. But every time I sit here to do the podcast, I feel like I can hear petrol in a garden appliance. So I do apologize for that. I hope you can hear it very much. I will be back next week. I'll be here. I'll be home next week doing a lot of fun things. Uh, But all in things that are normal working hours and i won't let you down with the podcast please email me telling everybody everything at gmail.com please watch backstage with katherine on prime video please buy my book if you don't have it already the audacity it's coming out on paperback this summer or right afterwards and please come see me in canada or on tour in the uk this autumn see you soon